This Sam Mays Podcast Roadshow is brought to you by Pettit Insurance in Norman. Remember, you're always in good hands with Allstate. On the Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last rebel sound to me. It is a combination of uh, southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass. And and for Skip Bayless to come out and say, I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say, how dare you? How dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness? Honestly, I want to say what I want to say. This is the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays, and today we have Mr. Wes Sims, former Oklahoma All-American. Oh, yeah. Interesting day. Former guest of the podcast, Mr. Chad Alexander. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Sam. Also former guest of the podcast, Mr. Forrest Bennett. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Now, Forrest is currently the representative of the 92nd District here in Oklahoma City. Uh, Chad is a former GOP chair here in Oklahoma City, lobbyist. Uh, his Chad's wife was uh, uh, the lead on President Trump's... Uh, she was the chief of staff for his re-election in 2020 as battleground director in 2016. Yeah. You want to pull that down just a little bit for you? Okay. There, there you go. Uh, and 70 is incredible. You guys are about as connected when it comes to uh, the recent you know, government situation as anybody that I know. So I'm, I'm very thankful for, to have both you guys here. Uh, and Wes, obviously, is, you know, this is kind of just what we do. We, we have these podcasts where we can be ourselves and talk about how we feel and what's going on in our society, whether it's, it's sports or uh, last night as we all went home and watched our nation's capital be stormed. Uh, I personally am struggling with the term uh, terrorist here because what I watched was a bit of a, a you know, outside of the, the, Fear and the, um, you know, it's it's an intense situation. You know, you got words like coup being thrown around, and like it's like what what is happening? When I look at the photos now and the videos now, I'm like these are fucking assholes. Like these people are. I mean, it was a joke. It was a joke of a of a of a coup. It was a it's a joke of a terrorist attack. And I'm more afraid of now what real terrorists look at when it comes to our security in the capital and things yeah. like. I mean, we we had a bunch of people with with weird fur and, and buffalo antlers and, you know, the, this Trump gear that looked like out of a, a cartoon uh, take our nation's capital yesterday. And, and it personally, it made me feel, like for our first question for the table here, uh, it made me feel uh, angry. It made me feel lost. It made me feel my humanity more than ever. Like, what is happening around the world? How are these people real life breathing you know, reproducing citizens of this United States. Uh, you know, I feel, uh, you know, overall just, I mean, I'm all over the place. I'm scattered. It's where I'm at. I'm just broken and scattered after watching last night. Yeah, it's like, at first it was an embarrassment. As I mean, as an, as an American citizen, I just all around complete embarrassment. I mean, it doesn't matter what side, what party, or who was involved. It's just that's something you don't want to see. And realistically, I think it's just a wake-up call for our nation. I mean, not how to act and, and how, to, how to take our, you know, our votes and everything into account, but also moving forward, how are we going to act? And what did we open ourselves up to outside of our country on top of what we did, you know, on top of just what was happening there? Right. And, you know, Sam, I, I don't know any other way to phrase it than domestic terrorism. You're talking about the Capitol building in the United States of America, the floor of the House of Representatives, the floor of the uh, U.S. Senate. Um, you know, for those that don't know, the Senate offices and House offices aren't actually where the House and the floor of the Senate are because we have so many elected officials, 435 congressmen, 100 senators, so they're in different buildings. Um, the Cannon Building, which is all offices uh, for elected officials, had to be evacuated. Um, People went into Nancy Pelosi's office and took documents off her desk. They went and sat in other offices and put their feet up on people's desks and took pictures. Um, imagine around the world the way they look at the United States. But, you know, the Senate security, the House security is very strong, but you had enough people that overwhelmed the amount of security to be able to get to those places. Um, four people lost their lives. Um, one of the people that lost their lives that was shot by Capitol Police was a female who was a Trump supporter, who is a former veteran, or a veteran. Um, 
who died. But, you know, when you had IEDs that were placed at the Republican National Committee and the Democrat National Committee, which law enforcement have told us are deadly on both sides, how's that not? I mean, we're, we're in Oklahoma City. We're more familiar with domestic terrorism than anybody in the right. country because yeah. the worst case ever happened right here. Uh, I don't know how putting bombs outside of the RNC and DNC can be considered anything but domestic terrorism. Agreed. Agreed. So, You're, right. And, You're right. And if you talk about how I feel, you know, Sam, I love football. You know I love football. Absolutely. And I want to remind Jerry Ramsey, I am the reigning Tyler Media <laughs> fantasy football champion. <laughs> but if I sit down with you two guys and, and I watch tape, you're going to see 100 things I don't see. I'm, right. I'm just a fan. You guys have been in the trenches. I've been in professional politics since I was 20 years old in 1994. I was volunteering in high school. I, I love this stuff. And my mother's passed away, but she and I used to watch this to go, things to news together when I was in middle school and high school and things like that. And... Sadness, frustration, anger, um, all of that took over. Um, I don't care what party you're in, who you support, what your ideology is, known as above the law. There is nothing to, I mean, that was absolutely being seditious behavior against the government of the United States of America. Um, someone was trying to take down the United States flag in front of the Congress and put up a Trump flag. That is not patriotism. Right. Um, don't tell me you support the Constitution when you're going to take down the United States flag and put up any candidate's flag. I don't care who it is. So I had a lot to say yesterday, and I think yesterday I was more where you are today with all these different winding emotions going in their places, just trying to wrap my head around all of this. Um, but from what I see is I could use the, the analogy of watching tape with you guys. You're going to see a hundred things I don't see. I think there's probably a lot of things because I do live this right. that I oh, see yeah. is where do we go from here? And I know that's a longer conversation we'll get to, but how did we get here? And the polarization that I've seen since I first started professionally in 1994 has progressively gotten worse and worse and worse. And I go back to the impeachment of Bill Clinton over a sexually inappropriate behavior. The American people didn't like it, but they didn't want a president thrown out of office over it. Right. And the Republican Congress did that. Um, and they paid the price at the ballot box for it. But, you know, I've been around when Bill Clinton was president and they had, the Democrats had the House and Senate when George W. Bush was president and Republicans had the House and Senate. Obama was president for two years where they had the House and Senate. Trump, his first two years, Republicans had the House and Senate. You know, President Biden will have the House and the Senate. But when you've been around long, the pendulum always swings. We know this. But it seems to me that we have these extremes on, in both parties that make up a very small minority of the parties. Right. But they are getting all the oxygen and social media and all these things. And that's not what defines the parties, but that is what is being led to define the parties. Yeah, I need to <clears> – <throat> there's a lot you said that I – um, we got some time. Go ahead. Tell, I, I, tell, tell I me how you with. feel first. There's, there's a lot yeah. that, I, that you said that I agree with. And first of all, it's very – I appreciate you, a Republican, being the one to say that you don't know how else to, to call what we saw yesterday um, anything else but domestic terrorism. And um, I would add that it's ridiculous not to call it that if David Prater, the DA in Oklahoma County, can call terrorism right. what he called it this For summer. sure, yes. So um, – and I'm, and I'm angry. I'm not lost, though. I – I'm, I'm more like you. That was a great point. You watch, you watch football tape, and they will definitely see more than we do. I know exactly where we are. I, I'm, I know where we are more than I did yesterday, more than I have in weeks and months past. I know exactly where we are. The big question is, where do we go? Because we are exactly where, not just the last four years, not the last 10, 20 years maybe, 30 years, we've been heading this direction. And Donald Trump accelerated that quite a bit. And I will take credit uh, for... Um, for fanning flames, uh, you know, in social media and Twitter and tiffs like that uh, in previous years. But myself and, and Republicans, independents, people on all, all corners of the political spectrum have, have taken stock. The difference between us and Donald Trump is that we have a respect for, this, for the institutions of government. We have a respect for, for the mechanisms, and we understand what the rules are. My, one of my favorite Republicans, and this will piss off a lot of Democrats, is John Eccles, because he is a man who plays the game, but he understands what, how it works. We do what we do on the floor, and then we leave. But we may need to reexamine that, because the difference between us is that we know what we're doing, and we know that we, know that we have a role to play in defending the, the voices of the people that we represent, 
But we leave that building and the vast majority of us, and there are some exceptions that we need to talk about, but the vast majority of us know we leave that on the field. We leave it on the floor. I mean, that's, right. and, and I, know, I, know, I know the average person does not like to think about politics like a game, but we have to do that because if we don't, it, it consumes you. Yes, and, and, and not, just, not just the big issues, but little things. And, right. I mean, especially be a Democrat in Oklahoma, and I will say a Republican in, in, in blue states, because I know these legislators, we, we get together from time to time when there are not global pandemics, and we talk about, you know, what our experiences are. And one thing that I will disagree with is that it, it does matter what party you're in. Because no matter what I say, the fact that I'm a Democrat has made me vilified by half of America. And half of that half don't actually think I'm a terrible person, but they absolutely disagree with my, my positions. Right. And I absolutely disagree with most of yours. Right. And that's fine. That is fine. That's actually how it's yeah. supposed to work. But, yeah, but people but, can disagree and they, not get and be shitstorm over it. I mean, yeah. just but talk can it we out. anymore? Can we? And 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 the, and the way we get out of these conversations way too often is by saying, "Well, that's just the way I see it," or we can disagree. We can agree to disagree, but we can't anymore when we're when we're not agreeing on the same set of facts. Right. Because the people that stormed the Capitol yesterday absolutely believed that they were somehow swindled, and they were. But it wasn't by the. It wasn't by the, the institutions of government. It was by one man who puts himself above the country, puts himself above his own party. And I don't even blame Republicans to a, to, to a huge degree for yesterday. I, I, I blame some Republicans like Lindsey Graham, David Perdue, Mitch McConnell, these people who have, who have perpetuated this, especially after, after it was very, very clear what happened in, in the election. It was very clear after a few days that, that Joe Biden was going to win. And people knew that, and they knew better. Josh Hawley knows better. Ted Cruz knows better. These, these folks know better, but they were stoking the flames because they want to be the heir apparent to Donald Trump's America. And guess what? Donald Trump's not going to give away his supporters. He's not. So these people are not thinking long-term politically. They're also not being good Americans. And I think Trump hurt his legacy really badly yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I do. I mean, he had a record uh, coming out that you could look on on economic issues, on a lot of other issues, where he had a majority of Americans that supported those policies. Right. See, I mean, he did get 75 million votes, guys. I mean, right. that is the biggest increase for an incumbent president in the history on a re-election to get that kind of votes. But Joe but Biden there, got more. But, but, there are, but my point is, is there aren't 75 million people that would have done what happened Agreed. yesterday. Right. Absolutely agree. Yeah. And so when we instantly go into finger-pointing or grouping everyone together, it's where we have a problem. And I could tell you where we have a problem in American politics right now on a deeper level. There was a poll, it was about a year and a half ago, so I can't remember the exact numbers, but they polled Democrats and asked them, what do you think makes up the Republican Party? And um, when Democrats answered that question, they thought over half of Republicans made $100,000 a year. Right. Half of Republicans do not make over $100,000 a year. Right. On the same note, Republicans being polled saying, what do you think makes up and consists of the Democrat Party? They thought, I think, 25% of the Democrat Party were the LGBT community. Well, that's not even possible in the United States. 25%? Yes. They thought uh, 43% of the Democrat Party were African-American. That Democrat, African-American is about 12% of the American electorate. So it would be impossible for them to make up that much of the Democrat Party. But then the Democrats asking, you know, answer your question about Republicans. Same thing. So the parties don't even actually know and understand who the other side is right. or what they believe in. They, right. they, they project what they think the other party is. That was the point that I was trying to get to, which is I can say whatever I want to say. I, I tell people to wear masks. They, they say I'm, I am some, I'm a part of some conspiracy right. to, to get you. To, I don't know. But, by the way, my wife made this point last night. All of the people who did not wear masks yesterday and got their mugs taken, you know, the p pictures of their, their faces taken, they're screwed. Yeah, which, which is the people who went in the Capitol. Yeah, absolutely. But the people thing. who didn't, I mean, it's just it, just a, one of the greater ironies of, of, uh, of the, the aftermath of 2020. Um, and 2021 needs to chill out. Let's be real. Pump the brakes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, and Forrest may disagree with me on this. Um, the president called for this rally to gin up support, put pressure on the people that were voting for the Electoral College. I do not believe the president wanted people to storm the Capitol building or put bombs outside of the RNC or the DNC. Okay, so let, 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 me, do, let, but, let me stop you there. Yeah. And so I can get this, the sec, that is a segue into the second question okay. here, right? 
How do we feel about President Trump and the way that yesterday went down from a leadership standpoint? And look, this is my podcast, so I would request anybody referring to President Trump to use President Trump. He's the president of the United States. I would call myself a patriot. I love this country and what it represents. I love our history and everything about it. And I am flabbergasted at in the last 70 years when the grandsons of World War II vets were going through some of the greatest renaissance periods of American history. We are here. Hasn't even been a century yet, and we're here. So I'm frustrated with that. President Trump is a blip in American history, but we got to call him President Trump. It's just the reality. He's the president of the United States until he gets out of that thing. I watched a human being use his stage yesterday to incite a riot, which is a crime. I feel like that human being who is the president of the United States should be arrested for inciting a riot. He literally, literally led people to the Capitol building to stop the democratic process from happening from the White House. In my life, I have never been more flabbergasted by the things that he has done with the power of that office that are just illegal and shouldn't be allowed to be done. But because no one wants to check him or understands how to check him, and because he's got this massive presence on social media, it's almost like people like don't know what to do with their hands. I'm like, put him up, put your hands on him. Stop him from doing what he's doing. Help us. As the American people, we need help because we're being held hostage by a human being. Now, at this point, we're being held hostage by him. He's, gonna, you, he's held us hostage since the election. And I just cannot understand how this was allowed to be done. And then it looked, I've been to Washington, D.C. I know you guys have too. I was blown away. <laughs> by how easy they accessed a building right. where the vice president, current and future, were sitting. What the, what, what is that? We can just do that now? Are you kidding? I would have never in my right mind thought for one second to put a foot on some government property that they told me not to or we're going to shoot your ass. If 25 people were shot and killed yesterday at the Capitol building, it would be a day of mourning. There is no question but I promise you, when I sat at the kitchen table with my children last night, I would have said, don't rush the fucking capital. Yeah. Don't like, you don't want to get shot. Ever. Don't rush the capital. But, Sam, yeah. you have these conversations. Let's, let's address it. You have these conversations because you're black. Right. And there were a bunch of white people up there at the Capitol yesterday literally did not think they'd get shot upon. Right. One of the yeah. guys that was next to the woman who, who got shot in the neck and died, he just assumed it was a flashbang. The guy just did not, they did not accept that there would be consequences to their actions. Right. And it's because of a man who has enabled them so much. And, and I'm not saying all Republicans, because plenty of them yesterday stood up and said the right thing, but there were still people who objected to a legitimate election last night. Right. And it is just going to continue to, to fan these flames. And there will be people who, there will be people who, who think of January 6th, is that January yeah. 7th, whatever day it was? Oh, my January 6th. Yeah. January 6th, 2020, as as an infamous day in America, but there is a small cabal of that people who are very loud and terrified. Yes. Right. I, I, I'm actually one of them that think this is an infamous day in America. And, and I was, when I was, what I was saying earlier about, I do not believe that Trump intended for them to charge the Capitol or put bombs in front of the DNC and RNC, but it was still your rally. You went out, you spoke, you fired everybody up. Right. This is where I'll be very critical of the president yesterday, and as I I did a video yesterday, it was about three minutes long, and I which we will play on this show, yeah, which yeah. I called out then. He should have came out much more strongly against the violence. He, I mean, he should have addressed the country as quickly as possible, and said, "No, violence is this is not what we do. This is not America. You don't plant bombs. You don't go and, and take over the capital." He needed to come out and be the leader of the United States and make a much, much stronger argument. And he should have done it on national television, not a video that's on social media. Right. Yeah, somebody just needs to help Trump help himself these last couple months. I mean, it's just... Well, it's, we're, we're 12 days now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, been a, it's just been a downward spiral. I mean, ever since the... I mean, basically four years ago, as soon as he hopped on Twitter, I mean, that was... That Came was over. the beginning of it. Right. I mean, for I have, anybody that wasn't a Republican, I mean, him being on Twitter, I mean, how much... I have a if little, he wasn't on Twitter, what would you feel about him? I, I have a little insight of okay, what me. I think happened, because I have pretty good connections there. Um, the political people knew where this was. The, well, yeah. the campaign people, they knew that, that it was, it was going to be over. But then it's who has the president's ear. And he's known Rudy Giuliani for over 40 years in New York. 
Rudy's making a lot of money. What a sad and, thing, too. And, and America's mayor. Yeah. What and, happened to him? And he right. goes in and says, look, Mr. President, yeah, we've been friends 40 years. This happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And Jenna Ellis, an attorney no one had ever heard of, but now she's on Twitter all the time. She's not in the courtroom winning any cases where attorneys are supposed to go argue. She's on right. social media. Right. That, that's not winning anything, but that is putting things in people's heads when she's saying and making these allegations that they get. And right now, in the age of social media, a lot of people just want to hear what they want to hear. Right. I, have, I can tell you, I know I have lost radio audience probably in the last two weeks because I've said Joe Biden is going to be the next president. Joe Biden is going to get the electoral college votes. Right. And I've said on the radio, I know a lot of you are probably going to flip the channel and listen to someone who's going to tell you what they want to hear. I just want you to know, after January 6th, I think I hope you come back to the person who told you the truth. Right. Because I'll, I'm not going to come in here and tell you something that I don't believe. If I believe something's going to happen, I'll say it. If I'm wrong, then I'll explain what my thought process was, and I will say I was wrong. But I'm not going to come in here and play a character and lie to get ratings. I'm going to tell you what I really believe, because all I have is my name and my credibility. And two weeks ago, I said, Donald Trump's not going to win the Electoral College, guy. It's right. not going to happen. Right. It's like most most of us have known for two months now. We yes. just it was right. who was willing to accept it. And Sam and I'm sure Forrest, you see this too. Like I will get instant messages of things for people that are my radio audience, and you know, it'll say, "New American News Net." Right. Okay. I'll what go, is that? I've told you this story before. In 2016, there was a legitimate media company that was trying to start up with an online news deal, and they weren't successful. They let the name of their site expire. So a guy went and bought it for like 99 cents. Setting at home, just starts writing stories. He's not a reporter or anything else. <laughs> By the end of November of 2016, he made $125,000 in advertising. Damn. He's not a reporter. That's not information. Yeah. And you, Sam, you know, you know, I've had conversations with you know, sources on the internet right. say, oh that my God, just stop listening after you hear that. So I've, I've just taken to watching Fox and CNN, right? I turned them back and forth because... I've, to me, both of them are satire, right? It's, a, it's comical. Um, and when you hear on both those networks last night that reports coming in from social media say these things are happening, I'm like, y'all are, you, someone stripped you of your, you should get a license to be a media member now. Yeah. Seriously. Like, we should be licensed. Like, if that, how is, how is that what you're doing right now in national te- reports on social media? Yeah. Those people aren't reporters. National television. Yeah, those sources aren't, haven't been confirmed. Reporting on what's happening on social media. Yeah, that's insanity. The disinformation is incredible, right. and I've never seen it to the level we have seen. I mean, I have been fighting within my own party saying, no, that's not true. That, no, right. no, he can't. And I used this when someone called in and then challenged me on this on the radio a couple days ago that, you know, Pence could just reject the states and this. And I say, okay, well, let's say we go ahead and we're going to go down this path, even though it's unconstitutional. But let's say we're going to go down this path. Let's say a Republican runs for president in 2024 and wins. And let's say the candidate was either Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, either one. She's a setting vice president right then. What if she just goes in and goes, I'm going to reject Oklahoma, I'm going to reject Texas, and I'm going to reject Florida. I'm the president. That would exactly be the precedent if Mike Pence would have done that. I think the president again hurt himself with all the pressure he was putting on Pence publicly. Um, I no member and Jim Inhofe said this. He had never seen Pence so angry with all the support he's given Trump since he's been with him. Right. That Trump was putting all this pressure on him to do something that he totally believed to be unconstitutional. I mean, from the outside looking in, and it may be different for you guys, but when I see other Republican senators or anybody with with a Republican title, and, you know, you can't stand behind the president 100%. They're going to do some things that you don't agree with. Everybody doesn't agree on everything all the time. But when you have somebody that's doing that and they're – it's getting to a point where they're not just like, "Ah, I wish he wouldn't do that or I disagree. They're actually distancing themselves from their own, you know, elected leader of their party. Right. That raises a lot of concerns for me as a just an American on the outside looking in. It looks very questionable, very suspect. I think Trump has had an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of media coverage. You, you cannot go back to Barack Obama, George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton. I've asked this question a lot. What will the 
24-hour news cycle to do without Trump because for four years he has been the story, story after story. You mentioned CNN. They make their money on being anti-Trump. Right. Fox makes their money on being pro-Trump. All right, right, wait, wait. Hold on. Both of them make their money on this guy, whether it's negative or positive. Listen, I watched CNN, Fox, and MSNBC. I'd never watched MSNBC, but I I learned about who Steve Kornacki was and his magic wall, and that was a lot of fun to watch. He's just... He's actually very good. He's he's incredible. But listen, here's here's what has happened. Here's how the media has... Many media have responded. MSNBC and CNN... Much more careful, much more careful, specifically MSNBC, which may, may, I don't know. I, I don't watch them enough to, to know if, but it seemed to me on election night they were being very careful not to call anything unless everybody else had called it. Right. And that's why it lasted for so long. But all of these, it, we were essentially held hostage because what was a legitimate election process and what were a, a legitimate processes that the vast majority of Americans Chad, do not know about because it is, it is this minutia. I mean, who, who has ever watched the certifying of the, ele- of, of the Electoral College votes on the Senate floor or the House floor before? Okay, Chad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, also, and also same. But the average person doesn't. But all right. of a sudden, after Georgia and Pennsylvania, all of, you had all of these, these every men saying, well, this is, can you imagine what happened? Could you see? I mean, they blocked the windows. We, the average person does not know, and it is irresponsible to assume that you can just well, yeah, these, these questions need to be answered. These, I am absolutely all for peaceful, peaceful demonstrations and protests, and I will, and I will uh, point out that, that there were people who were peacefully protesting yesterday. But for what? What were they protesting? A legitimate election that they had been led to believe was not. And so at what point do you tolerate this when it is not based in reality? Right. And we continue to do this, and we continue to give leeway, the media, I'm saying, on election night and, and since, has been very, very careful in that they don't try to call anything before it is absolutely positive that it is there because they know the backlash that they will get. But who else? Except for Fox News, who called Arizona with a million votes out, which I didn't understand that ever. But they were right. right. Because we know, yeah. Chad, that, that in Oklahoma, for example, the average person does not know this, but listen here. Your precinct number is, is listed on your voter card. You can go to your precinct at 7 p.m. on election night and wait for them to post the results, precinct-level results, and it will have every single election. When I ran in 2016, I have 12 precincts, and I had people go to each one of them. So we know by 7.45 that I had won. Local news didn't report it until about 11. Right. This data is out there. These things happen every single election cycle. Right. But because of, because of you're right, because, of, because you want to sell ads and you want and you want you want traffic and you want clicks Click, clickbait on friends yes. you and you have them on the right and the left michelle mock and ann coulter on the right that you have people on the left too they are wanting you to come to their sites with their headlines whether they believe it or not because every time you click on the link they make money and that's right. the conversation we have to have moving forward yeah. will we continue will we continue to say hey advertisers look how many eyeballs i'm getting or will advertisers start saying hey look i don't care how many eyeballs you're getting if my product is being promoted on your channel you damn well better be telling the truth yeah. I, I agree and that but that's what i was saying for us fox news makes its money on being for trump cnn makes its money on being against trump um jimmy carter said that trump had had and this was a year and a half ago he thought he had had more unfair news coverage than any president in his lifetime and that came from Jimmy Carter. And he had, at one point from the Harvard study, 96% negative coverage, where Obama was around 65. I'm not saying justified, not justified, but he has dominated the news cycle for the last four years. How many times you turn on the news, it's not a story about Trump. All I'm saying is, Trump's not going to be in, in the president on January 20th. I think that there, and there are media conversations going on in rooms of, what is our future? I mean, what, what is our plan? Because it's not going to be a 24-7 Trump cycle anymore. No. And Trumpism will continue. Keep and, you, and come on. I wrote a blog. Me, do me a favor. I wrote a blog a year and a half do ago. Do me a favor and make sure we're saying President Trump because it drives me nuts. Sorry, I'm I'm sorry. Members I was, don't. Media, I like if you're in the media, you're in the government, call him by the, what his name, title is. Sure. Right? I, I think that uh, you know, everything that you guys are saying is, is accurate. The media, I mean, probably one of the biggest mistakes that the U.S. government made was allowing uh, advertisement to be, play, you know, to be purchased for news. Right? Uh, if we could do anything, I would do this on a government level. You are no longer allowed to make advertising dollars for your news programs, period. Be CNN, be Fox, be, be MSNBC, be who you are, 
But this is not predicated off the amount of money that you're making anymore. You guys are now working for the people. I, I would be happy to donate tax money to a news source if that was what it's going to take. That was going to tell me factual information, right? I think it was amazing on election night to watch Fox News because I was curious. I was like, I, I got to see what this is going to look like. Those dudes and women, they went running into election night and you saw them as the night went along, they're like, they realized what was happening, right? And at one time, three people projected a Joe Biden win and they all looked at each other like, holy crap, like you could see it hit them instantly. And then there's no way to go there, but do your job. And I will honestly say, I thought they did an excellent job from that point. Just telling the story like it is, reporting the news. They did a better job than, than other outlets that night. I, I mean, agree. They, they cut things off. They, they said, we're not going to show that. And that was really important. It's really important. Uh, and and t- that's, t- that's a point I want to make to say, yes, that's the perception. The perception, Chad, is see, uh, Fox makes their money being pro-Trump, but they have, they have people who criticize him on that, on that channel. CNN continues to pay Rick Santorum, which is just mind-blowing to me, but he is on there a lot, and, and he has been an apologist before, and he has been an explainer before, and he's done this. The reality is CNN is not, CNN is funny to watch sometimes because they do, they, they're more, they want to sensationalize everything. MSNBC Absolutely. clearly has a role, Fox clearly has well, a role. Well, I just don't think they're news channels. I think they're propaganda channels. I think they're trying to do, make money and get people to listen, regardless of what it is. So, I don't see them as legitimate news. So which, which propaganda None do you want? Them. The one that's fueled by capitalism or, the, or, or state-owned media, which is what Sam wants to do? Because let's be real, we've got to find some, some way to get back to one singular set of facts. Right. In 1918, the reason that everybody wore some goddamn masks is because there was no Twitter, fa- Facebook, social media. There were, no, there were no channels dedicated to just talking about how it may be a lie and we need to ask more questions. People just believed what the news said, and the right. news was honest, and people honestly disagreed based on the same set of facts. We don't have that anymore. So moving forward, yes, Trump will no longer be president, but Trumpism remains, and, 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 this, and this But it goes deeper than that, Forrest. It goes deeper than that. Have you seen the social dilemma? Yes. Okay. Chad. So you saw that with, like, yep. with Google. You had the guy that actually invented the Gmail look, and he talked about, depending on what they know and the data about you, some person in the United States could type in what is climate change, and that person is going to get this from that series. They they may be targeting me saying it's a hoax. Yep. But you may type it in and what they know about you and your politics, and it says the greatest threat to mankind. Humanity. Right. So how are we supposed to have a conversation when we search something on the internet so and we get different answers? That, that's so exactly we're not right. even having a basic set of facts. Exactly. And right. so there's nothing CNN, Fox News, or ABC are going to do, do when you have right. your actual biggest search engine that has 97% of the market telling different people different things when they search a topic. So what is the solution there? I mean, that is right. a, it is a $100 billion question right there. Right. It is. Is, so is ta- how we move forward. And everybody, everybody take a deep breath, right? Because that's the final <laughs> question here. Because the, re- the reality is all four of us are very, very smart. All four of us can look at what you just described and understand that that machine has been turned on and there is no off switch right. but to blow it up. And to blow it up would mean to go against everything that we stand for as Americans in general, right? I mean, we don't do this in this country. We don't take rights from people. We don't take things from people. We allow them to be who they're going to be to the best of our abilities. And social media is part of that. But you also Social have- media, though, also is very much the cancer of our society, period. It connects and divides but equally. I, yeah. but, I, but I do think, and, and uh, is it 48 states that have filed against Google on antitrust, I believe? I think so, yeah. Because we talk about monopolies in this country. If you have 97% of the market on search engines and you're giving people different information, you have a monopoly. Yes, 97% for sure. is a monopoly. That is too much power for any one corporation. That's almost, think of a communist state like China, where you have one information source to go search, and then you're going to get different information. Right. It, it doesn't make sense. I think that uh, people need to understand also, you know, when you talk about your, my, my, me personally, right? I'm six foot five, 350 pound, very capable man. I'm not very scared of very much. I just haven't been my whole life. Tough kid, military brat, right? I am very nervous of this feeling of understanding my humanity more than ever and how simple we are, how fragile we are. The pandemic has made us feel, made me feel that way. Think about this. There are more armed hunters on opening day in Pennsylvania than there are federal agents in this company or in this country. Yeah. More armed hunters on opening day of deer season 
than federal agents in the United States, in the state of Pennsylvania. What exactly is the U.S. government? And when you have a display of what you saw last night where a bunch of look like drunken idiots, right, who who raided the Capitol building with the, with the vice president in there, that happens in this country. What, what's next? Like, what is next? What if we green light it? I, I, what what I, yeah. guy in some bunker somewhere is like, oh, shit, right? The fruit is finally ripe. Let's go get something. Like, I can't imagine what the next six months are going to look like just based off of what we saw with our eyes on TV and social media last night. I, I hope that yesterday rang a bell for many people. I mean, you saw me yesterday at stage, and I was very sorry. Oh, yeah, hot. I mean, Absolutely. I'm a political scientist. I studied history. Um, it, it, it made me sad. I mean, I love this right. like you guys love football. It's my life. Politics right. is in my blood. I didn't choose this business. It chose me. I was doing this when I was 14, helping people get elected. Did you ever hear Bill, Bill Nations, somebody asked him, why, why you run for office? He said, it's a genetic flaw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and it is. I why, why the hell would we do this otherwise? You know, I, you know I'm like Michael Corleone. Every time I try to get, get out, they pull me back in. No, I'm in it because I live it and breathe it. It's just how I think. This, I hope, was a big wake-up call for everybody in the country. Um, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Green Party, I don't care who you are. The level of violence that we have started seeing, we've had the polarization growing and growing and growing, but the level of violence that we have been seeing over the last few years has escalated, escalated to a point where I think um, taking it away from social media, taking it away from media, people like uh, Representative Bennett, myself, he's a state representative, he has a platform. I have a radio show, I have a platform, I'm a political consultant, I advise people, I have a platform. I think we have a responsibility to tone it down. Right. We have a responsibility Agreed. to call just when we see it. It is call what it, it is. Like we see right. it. And that's what I did. It's like I do my I, sports when show. I, when I did yeah. that audio right. yesterday, you know, Mr. President, you called him here. You sent him. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. You own this now. I do this every day. Oklahoma fans love me. Why? Well, because Oklahoma's been to five semifinal games or four semifinal <laughs> games. They got two Heisman <laughs> Trophy winners. Of course, I'm saying nothing but positive things. Sure. Oklahoma State fans hate me. Why? Because since they won a Big 12 championship, it's been nothing but straight playing or digressing from where they should be. Right. Like, that's why those fan bases feel the way they do, because I'm telling you the truth. But you love OSU. I absolutely love OSU. You, you love OSU. To the point and, that I'm insane about them. And you yeah. want them to improve. Absolutely. I've been told I can't I, – I, because I'm a Democrat, I don't love America. I love America. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sad and so angry because I love America. Right. And I know, I know we can be better. I know we can be better. And, right. and I, know it, I know we all have to clean up our side of the street, right? right. And, and I've tried to do that. I admit, I, and I said it earlier, I have chased that endorphin rush from, from that jabbing tweet or whatever, but we can, and I know I have a voice that people listen to, I should use it to be more positive and more inclusive. But uh, this, is, this is day one of me trying to be different in that I want to communicate openly and listen, but I don't want to do it with... I don't want to just abandon the tough conversations when they come along. Right. You know, right. I, I want to be able to have a conversation with somebody because the solution to this problem is not to moderate because that would be, we'd be lying to ourselves if we, if we moderated. If, if sports talk radio people had to legitimately be uh, unbiased, that we wouldn't have sports radio because people who do that love sports. Right. And so we have to be honest with where we are. We have to be able to articulate our position well, and we have to be able to listen to other people. And you know what? We can't get tied up in, in the, well, you used the wrong word when you were describing this. No, listen to each other. But right. be honest with each other. I said yesterday, I said the other day uh, at, at the Capitol, because I got to give the nominating speech for Regina for Pro Tem, she lost by a narrow margin. Um, <laughs> who, I, I said, look, please, um, in, my, in my close, you know, I talked about the fact, I talked about our roles. The Republicans' role is to, is to, is to introduce, hear, pass, and send to the governor whatever legislation that they can collectively agree on, which you and I can agree is right. a lot of fun to watch them squabble sometimes. Sure. <laughs> and I said, please recognize our role, and that is, that is to, to give it a critical eye and let you know what we think and tell you how we believe it will affect our constituents, and that's, that's what we do. And, if, and, and, and I will admit it when we go too far, but you've got to, you've got to allow us and the, se- the 750,000 people that we represent, you've got to listen, you've got to let us air out our lawn. That's all we want is to be able to have this discussion. 
And we've got to be able to do that outside of the Capitol building. As well. I, I agree with that. And I think, you know, and that's the part I think people miss about communication. Uh, they think of communication of what they're going to say, not what they're going to hear. Uh, hearing is a big part of communication if you're not listening. And I think we have to go back to back to what is the core purpose of government? You and I may ideologically disagree on what the core functions of government is, but that's okay. That's what a Democratic Republic is all about. But I think the rhetoric and a lot of the hyperbole has to get turned down because we can have civil conversations about what the legitimate purposes of government are and whether it's the government would manage that well or we're getting the best thing for our buck. I mean, you ask me right now, do you and Forrest Bennett, uh, Representative Bennett, agree ideologically on a lot of issues? No. Are there some you agree on? Absolutely. We agree on things like criminal justice reform. I think there's a number of issues at the Capitol that you and I are going to agree on. There Absolutely. are some things we are going to disagree on. But if you ask me, is he a man of character? Yes. Is he, is he a good dude? Yes. Do you consider him a friend? Absolutely. I appreciate right. that. Yeah. I mean, that, that, just because we see different on what we think the legitimate functions of government, that is policy. That is what politics is. All right, let's go around the table. Final thoughts, you know, for me in particular, I, with with Forrest sitting here at the table, um, you know, I, I think it is our duty as Americans to get to know Forrest, to get to know our local representation, because the reality is that is the beginning of our voice in government, right. and it's it's up to Forrest to take our voices. Right. As we go to his town halls, as we interact with him on social media, as we send him emails and and let him know, hey, this is how I feel in, in District 92. This is how I feel walking my streets. This is how I feel going to my local store. This is how I feel about the taxes that I'm paying. It's OK to let Forrest know that he wants to know those things. Then Forrest uses his voice and his education and his demeanor and attitude, which I, I can't get enough of you. I think you're fantastic. You know, I love the passion. I love the energy. But you are very you're a 2021 alpha, and I love that. You know, like, it, we're different. I'm 38 years old. Wes and I are, we're Russian tanks. You know, we're old school, beat them up first type of guys. Like, you, you're sitting here talking to people that my kids, my, my 15 and 14 and 11-year-old who are on TikTok who are being, in, you, you're speaking to them, right? Those kids are going to have a vote in four years, right? This is the future, right? You, wanting to speak but being passionate about it. We got to get right. to know Forrest. We have to get right. to know him. And, and, and we got to yeah. tune into Chad and understand that Chad is telling us what Chad believes is to be the truth. And Chad's going to have some moments in his show like you did yesterday, and I'm proud of you, right, that are difficult for because we live here in Oklahoma, right, and you have an audience, and I have an audience. I'm, I'm an African-American sports talk radio host in Oklahoma City. My biggest competition is an over 50-year-old white guy. I know exactly who I'm talking to every day and how to go about doing those things. But I got to trust that Forrest is doing his job because it's in his heart and that Chad is doing his job because it's in his heart. But I got to do my duty. I got to read and understand and listen and learn and want to be an active part of the U.S. government. Until that happens, I don't think any of this stuff matters. Until we accept our role in this nation. Right. None of this stuff is going to happen. I could give you such a great example. During the 5th District race, I had Kendra Horn on. Um, and the, when she rang at Steve Russell, he would not come on. Um, I literally had her on probably seven times because they called and requested. He would not, his people would respond to me, so they didn't come on. But during the Stephanie Bias Kinderhorn race, they both came on. You know what? I had written down the questions because Stephanie Bias had been on first. When Kinderhorn came on, I asked her the exact same questions. I had people say, I was too easy on Kendra Horn. Right. No one said I was too easy on Stephanie Bice. And right. I said, if I do anything short of calling her a bitch, I'm not going to make you happy. Right. <laughs> and I'm not right. going to treat somebody that way. I have respect for her. She's won a seat in the United States Congress. She's a very intelligent woman. Just because we don't agree on every issue ideology doesn't mean I'm going to be rude to her. I don't treat anyone that way. When I go to the Capitol, I, am, I treat everyone with respect. Right. That's how you're supposed to act as a human being. Yep. Right. Wes, okay. I saw thoughts? a. Uh, well, first of all, I'm from a I'm from a small town where it's all two way streets, and I'm all about communication. It doesn't matter what business you're in, politics, football, loan officer. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You have to be able to com communicate. And I saw something yesterday. Um, I was watching The Crown that show on uh, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. And uh, um, <clears throat> Winston Churchill was on there. And he made a statement about something. He said, I don't, there is not a problem out there on this planet that can't be solved with people sitting down and talking it out in 20 minutes. Now, my question is, we would have to pick 
whatever problem it is, and who the hell are we going to have set down to solve this damn thing? Well, I'll quote Winston Churchill. He said, the United States always does the right thing when they've exhausted every other option. <laughs> and, That's amazing. And, uh, and that may be true. As I, My final say, let me go back. I hope yesterday was a wake-up call for everyone that's in the political arena, no matter what role they play, whether they run campaigns, whether they're elected officials, whether they're candidates in races, you can make your points, you can make your arguments without going overboard with the hyperbole and the rhetoric. And if everyone's just going to say, oh, it's only Donald Trump that's went overboard in hyperbole and rhetoric, I could play you audio clips going back 30 years of people going with rhetoric and hyperbole. It has now gotten to the point where the violence has gotten so bad, people that have any platforms, any ability to share their thoughts have to say when something's wrong, it's wrong. My wife was Trump's chief of staff for his re-election, his battleground director in 2016. She thanked, he thanked her on national TV. But yesterday I said, this falls at the feet of the president. You motivated those people to come up there, get fired up. You may have just been wanting them to pressure elected officials on electoral college but when bombs are getting set at the rnc and dnc right. people are getting shot in the capitol and what happened the senate's very secure as far as their security sam no one has attempted anything like this they were just simply overwhelmed by the manpower right. there were so many people coming in there weren't enough of them to stop it yeah there's a big difference between supporting what you believe in supporting a cause and then just going where they went with it i mean it's <laughs> no question i mean it's totally overboard and it, it is seditious you you you, you know, how can I talk about Antifa and what happened in Portland with the things that were going on and, and the fires every night and everything, and then say, oh, well, this wasn't subversive. Right. No, this is actually worse. Right. You stopped a constitutional right. process, so don't <laughs> tell me you support the Constitution. Yeah. The United States Capitol building, you put people's lives in danger, people got killed, right. throwing bombs around. That is not political discourse. That is not political opinion that is not just being for someone you try to kill people those bombs the fed said were very dangerous outside of those two buildings and it was both the rnc and the dnc i don't know the mental capacity of the people that would even think that way so you're you make a good you make you make some good points and i I have a lot of thoughts, so I, my understanding give me, is give me your just final part, thought, part one of eight for this uh oh yeah we'll do a bunch on. of these i'm all in on that yeah i there's, there's a lot more we need to do, a lot more work that we need to do. But every December, um, my office sends out, with, with our remaining office funds, we send out a survey to, well, we send out a little letter. This year, we sent out a survey with, like, 15 questions on Oklahoma's most pressing issues. And then a couple things I just wanted to know about. Like, would you be willing to spend tax dollars on high-speed rail? Because we really need it. Most people did, so that's exciting. But uh, I got a lot of responses back. And I got a response from, um, from a guy who who wouldn't tell me his name, um, but, but he went back through. Most of them just sent back a picture of the survey, maybe a couple um, notes. He sent back a long, long email with paragraphs responding to each question. And, uh, well, the first, the first email was that. And then the second one, which came two days later, um, he sent it on Sunday. The second one came on Tuesday, and he said, disrespected. I feel disrespected because you sent me this thing, and I, and, and I haven't heard back, and, and how dare you, and you're worthless. And... I responded to him that day, and I said, well, first of all, I'm trying to respond personally to all of these, and you weren't in the first dozen who, who responded, so I'm, I'm trying to get to you, but, but here, here, let's, let's do this. And I went through each question. I read his responses. I, 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 I responded back to him what I interpreted his, his, his position to be. I explained my position and why, and I explained that I respected his on the ones that, that, that I did respect his differences on. There were some, like, believing that COVID was a hoax that I didn't because I've seen friends and family die. So I, I responded. I sent that, and this is the second or third time that I've done this when people have told me to just, just be just as negative back. And I said, I'm going, to give this, I'm going to give this a try. And this is not heroic. This is just what we should do as people. I said what I said. He emailed me back later that day. And instead of being vitriolic, he said, well, if you ever need you know, help cracking the conservative code, you send some of these people my way, and I'll explain to them what, you know, what, That's what awesome. needs to be said. That's awesome. So, so that was one. That was one. And it took some time. Yep. And, and when you think about that in the larger scheme of, of how divided we are, it's going to take a lot of time. 
Yeah. But I think for every every five or ten minutes we're doom scrolling on our phones, you can put that down and have a goddamn conversation. Exactly. Yes. Hey, you know what? I made that mistake early in social media. You talked about it, and I did that too when I would see something that was wrong that someone put on there. I stopped doing that because I know them, and I would either direct message them or if I had their text message or phone number, I would text them, and then we ended up talking. Because when you're having a conversation on social media, you automatically get defensive if someone says something because you feel like you're defending yourself in public. Right. If you're having a one-on-one conversation with someone, you let your guard down totally, and you're just communicating on a, on a, on a basis. And you made a great point about your constituents with saying that. I had a caller call in, older gentleman, never heard this idea before. This is why we need to listen. Right. This is why we need to listen. We talked about the problem with restaurants in the country because of COVID. But we talked about how places like casinos and there are other places that have really good, expensive HVAC systems that are filtering there, they're not hot spots. And gyms, they're not hot spots. That's now been shown in two studies in Minnesota, Colorado. But you said, you know, we're spending all this money on this COVID relief and all these things. Why don't we put money in for restaurants to update their HVAC systems? <laughs> good idea. I'm like... That may be the best idea I've heard in nine months from a guy that called in listening to my radio show. I hadn't thought of it. Right. Great idea. And, 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 but that's the part about listening. I don't know what he does for a living. It doesn't matter. It's a damn good idea. If Representative Bennett has a good bill, I'm all for it. Right. I mean, I I worked a lot with Representative Dollins on his hemp bill because I thought it was ridiculous. Something someone can't get high off of that has 250,000 different uses from clothes to paper or bags or whatever, why would that be illegal? Of course, it's a great idea. Personally, we're excited about the stuff you can't get high off of, but all right. <laughs> but, but, but if somebody has a good idea, it shouldn't matter if they have a D or R behind their name, right. but that's where we are in America. Because if you've seen, you know, when they go to certain places, say, how do you like Bernie Sanders' tax plan, but it's Trump's tax plan, and if they're Sanders, people are like, oh, it's great. And they're like, well, it's really Trump's. And you can do the same thing on the other side. You go, how do you feel about, you know, uh, uh, Trump's tax plan? And then you're going, oh, I love it, love it, love it. And they go, well, it's really Biden's. You're going to get the same thing. Right. Because as soon as they hear that name or that letter behind their name, they dismiss the idea. That's how could you have a worse government that you're going to dismiss a good idea because of the letter behind somebody's name before they registered to be in a party? You know, th- there's something to be said about American history and, and what got us here, right? There was a time where Americans were one voice, one sound, one movement, going into World War I, coming out of World War I, going into World War II, coming out of World War II, right? One voice, one act, getting into the Depression, getting out of the Depression. We did it all together. Vietnam hits... Right, then you get into the 80s and the 90s, and all of a sudden we just start to splinter off into these little fragments that have just broken that American, that vibe, right? That culture, that attitude, who we were. We're, we're the best, right? We, we are going to land on the moon. We're going to change the world. We're going to lead the world. We're going to do those things, and we were proud of it. I'm, I'm a proud American because of those things, Absolutely. right? And I don't feel proud now, and I'm tired of that, and we got to find a way, and I think it starts with conversations of four. You know, what we could do back in 1950 with a conversation of 500,000 because there was one, it was a Chad Alexander in Oklahoma City that was telling the truth. And those 500,000 people believed Chad that was telling the truth. And those 500,000 people linked up with another half million people in Dallas and a half million people in Kansas City. And they were all thinking, you know what, because Chad's colleague in Kansas City is telling the truth also. And they believe him to be telling the truth. You know, Walter uh, Cronkite and those guys, like the people we loved and believed and understood. Like, that just doesn't happen anymore. So it starts in groups of four. It starts with your radio broadcast. It starts with you sitting in your seat. You know, we got, it. we got to understand that these small groups, these conversations that we're having, it's what's going to help us get back to the point where we can all agree with each other. I guys, agree. I thank you guys so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It needed to be said, needed to be done, and hopefully we'll talk to you guys soon. Love to do yep. it. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, guys. Great time. The Sam Mays Podcast is a production of P-Squared Media.